Hey everyone, so much gratitude for tuning in. Um, if you did see the social media post, it is true. Spotify for Podcasters, which is my free platform that I do this from, is closing up shop on the at least the free part come June 1st. So I'm not tech savvy enough to dig in to find another one yet, at least, especially because... Um, I don't know. I'm not business-minded enough either to read between the fine print lines of whether or not I it would become monetized or it have to be monetized. I don't ever want to be monetized. And my parents only gave me two schools that I was allowed to go and see and decide. Carlo and Seton Hill, which is in Greensburg, Pennsylvania. It's kind of weird because they didn't pay 50 cents towards my education. Now, I'm not blaming them for that. Four out of five of my siblings with me all went to college. Dad was a teacher. There was no way they could afford that. Even what the costs were those years ago when I went. So I'm, I'm not angry that they didn't pay. But if you're not, why was there such like restriction on me? I was going to be responsible for it in the end, no matter what. But, you know... I had to keep tabs on me. Ridiculous. I got really good grades. I did some stupid things at school. Nothing that, that the police were involved with. Um, you know, I, they put me in the honor society at, at the school. I gave the speech at my college nursing ceremony graduation. Kind of a cool story behind that. Um, I don't know. I was always restless there. And it was a small school, but again, it, you literally walked down a set of steps and you were in the middle of University of Pittsburgh and all the hospitals. As far as Pittsburgh goes, where is it going to be that there's more going on? But I don't know, call it attention deficit hyperactivity that was already raging in me or what. I would have never made it uh, on a campus that was just the campus, nothing else for miles around. The example being like State College, where Penn State is, but I lost my mind. Um, because even at Carlo, I took, a, I took jobs. One for two years was a restaurant down in Shadyside. I'd work a couple evenings a week. I'd take a bus. I guess I was laying the groundwork for New York City, you know, using public transportation. I was always walking the streets by foot to get places. So to say, man, decades in New York City, I, I gave myself the groundwork and I lived like that for the four years I went to college here in Pittsburgh. Um, the last home I lived in before I left Pittsburgh for decades plus was in the city of Pittsburgh, north side, the 1882 house that I was renovating. That was my happiest residence and in, in, in Pittsburgh, truly. Um, but I know my friend Barbie wanted me to have some cool Carlos stories. I, I really don't have much because some of the, the, the craziest, stupid ones I know were cannabis or, or alcohol-induced. And that's not something I do anymore. And I feel like, well, I don't find the amusement and stuff in it because I'm not in that mind frame of it. Um, but sure, we had fun, especially as freshmen, you know. I know she had a roommate originally 
that I obviously didn't want to be there to start with. And uh, we had stronger personalities. Larry came back from class one day and called me to a room. And the girl left a note like, thanks and goodbye. She she abandoned ship. It was the first semester, freshman year. But she'd left her a little package of like little Debbie cakes and stuff. That was kind of odd. Me, I hated the roommates. I, I, I hated having roommates. It wasn't the people, even. Um, I had, there were five kids in my household. I didn't hate it when I was a kid, when my sister was my roommate. I didn't even hate it when my baby brother was put in a crib in my room that was my roommate. I cared about him. I have to take care of him. He doesn't remember that now, but um, <laughs> I did, and I didn't mind. But there was something about college. I don't know. And subconsciously, I'm sure it was completely my fault that I I drove them to whatever. And they would bail. They'd they'd move out of the room. Go. I never got in trouble. But um, report me or something. Report that they needed to be in a different room. So I'd wind up with my own room usually for the second semester of that year. And I was really happy with that. (laughs) The studio apartments in New York City obviously were not a difficult thing to be comfortable in because I laid the groundwork there too. Carla was nuts though. When I went there, they, my parents wanted me to go there because it was a Catholic private university. Well, surprise to them, the place employed professors from all ends of the spectrum as far as like, um, their views, their morals, their values, whether they're in a more liberal or conservative end. And believe me, even in my time in the late 80s, uh, that did exist, opposite sides. It just wasn't as extreme as now. So different professors gave different perspectives. And I, I am thankful for that and, and value that I was there to, to hear the different approaches to education and life and all that stuff. Um, <clears throat> some of them were such good lecturers. It's unbelievable. Like I actually heard every word of their lecture and it made final exams a lot easier because I was retaining all of that. They were that interesting. And you think, God, but there were a couple girls, Carrie and Lisa and someone else. I don't remember her last name, any of them. Um, drew like a cartoon of me senior year. Um, they were my friends going into the roommate thing there, but I wound up, couldn't stand them either. Um, drew a cartoon and it was with uh, like um, three girls with books and up in the captions, like the old comic strips above mine says, I'm Chrissy, I love class. First of all, I don't know how the Chrissy thing started. I think we were just all E, like Lenny, Barbie, Chrissy, Although Barbie, that was her real name. (laughs) Um, But I did love class, most of them, except a few extremely boring ones. Um, I'm sorry about that, that that wasn't too... I don't have the college, like, remember that time? Like WVU. When we beat Kansas and we still burnt the couch in the middle of the street and turned cars over. We won, but we still destroyed the place. I don't have those stories. I do have a story that... There were two bomb threats. Now, mind you, this is the late 80s. The worst hadn't happened here yet. Um, That they semi-shut down the campus, like nobody's driving in, nobody's driving out. There was a daughter, and I'm drawing a blank on who 
the foreign leader or foreign activist that was making the news, but it was the daughter, and I believe she, she had residents in the United States, was going to speak on campus in the, in the large auditorium, and some bomb threats were called in. That was kind of bizarre, but we didn't take it very seriously because given the time, it was the late 80s, and once of those, it was the, about two in the morning, and they made us evacuate the dorms and put us all in this huge auditorium in another building higher up the hill. Of course, nowadays, you think about bombing a place that would have bombed the whole campus. We were like dancing and singing in this auditorium. Somebody had a boom box up in the balcony section and played the Gap Band song, which is probably banned nowadays, that was called You Dropped a Bomb on Me. Google it. You you can still find it on Spotify and stuff. Um, And we're like laughing and dancing. We, we, we didn't take it seriously. We didn't have the fear that there would be today, for heaven's sake. Um, Carl had a sign-in policy for, for boys to visit. Get this. And this is the late 80s. This is not the late 40s or 50s. They could only visit from 6 to 9, Monday through Thursday. And they leave their like, license or school ID at the desk to sign in and out. I mean, come on. First of all, we're 18 or over, so we're legally adults. All right. This isn't some boarding school that we're still like under the age of 18. But we counteracted that and I probably led the charge, snuck them in the windows and snuck them back out more than once. So there. Um, Weird. But again, my parents sent me there because I guess in their brain, this was like one of those scenes in an Armageddon movie that it's kind of the future and, and somebody presses some big button, and after a certain hour, like, these these iron uh, fence gates come up or whatever, like, that that was going to happen there. No, it didn't. And I could go roam the streets at 2 in the morning alone if I wanted. Oh, God. Th- their attempts at sheltering me were so extreme. It was ridiculous. But, yeah, I got antsy there. I'd leave campus all the time. So I didn't have as much experience as, as most of my classmates did. I mentioned the job in Shadyside. It was to meet different people that weren't at my school, um, whether it was the patrons, the people that worked there. And I loved it. I remember telling the, the manager of the place when I was a junior, because I, I got a job as a nurse's aide at the biggest hospital in Pittsburgh, one of them. And I said, Blaze, I have to, I have to quit now because I have to, I have to go be a nurse. It turned out when I got to New York City, I love being an ER nurse and, and stuff. So, but at that time, I was like, I have to go be a nurse now because I already had two and a half years in the schooling and, and the loans were all going to be on me. I was sad to leave my job at the restaurant. Isn't that terrible? But um, yeah, I, I got antsy. My senior year, I left town without telling anyone except my friend Barbie. She was the only one who knew my whereabouts. Man, I was street smart back then, you could call it. Let someone know where you are, just in case. She was the only one I told. I went to Hope, Arkansas. The reasons and the whole story behind that are ridiculous, embarrassing, whatever. But that's the truth. As a matter of fact, I mentioned I gave a student address speech at the um, nursing graduation. I had started to write that speech on a Greyhound bus in Memphis, in the middle of the night, like two, three in the morning, on my way back from that disappearance for a week to Hope, Arkansas. 
And that's a true story. I know that sounds like a line in a country song, but <laughs> that's, that's the truth. That's how I started and finished writing that speech on a Greyhound bus in the middle of the night in Memphis bus station. Pretty wild, huh? But um, yeah, the whole yesterday thing, I don't know. My father still has this power on me and it's ridiculous. I mean, the majority of my career spent in New York in the the busiest ERs, the busiest places. Front ICU during the pandemic, that was worldwide and we were the epicenter of the planet. But that doesn't warrant like approval for anything or, or credit that I can make it through life. I mean, there's control and, and, and influence and insults all the way down to which tires I needed, which brand I needed on my car because I wanted to replace the front too. They, were, they got a little worn too fast for how fast I drive the Jaguar. I'm like thinking, no, you're not paying for them. And my reasons weren't because of the name on them. I can't see the name. It's not written in red, like Formula One. But they did me well through any kind of road conditions. I don't want to change. I feel safe in them. Does that mean anything to you? Remember, I was an ER nurse. I was a trauma nurse. If I feel safe like this, why are you interfering? But yesterday, he ended his old tirade on me after he blamed me for the reasons my nephews don't get enough playing time in basketball. It was my fault because I didn't applaud the coaching staff and my last podcast where I was just furious at the behavior that they're still denying, okay? It was all my fault. I'm like, but I wasn't even here when they started playing like in grade school, especially like the sixth grade or junior high for the other one, how could I be the cause? I wasn't around and involved in any way, shape or form. But yeah, he blamed me for that. I'm like, this is absurd. And then he twisted it into and literally put in writing to me. No one will, you'll never find anyone that will truly care about you. Only I do. And you don't care. And you don't want to listen to me. And then he wrote it two more times during the course of the day that I will never find anyone to care about me enough. He didn't say you're not worthy, but by God, that's what it means. So yeah, there's my dirty laundry, y'all. It's heartbreaking. There was a last like regular season game, Montour. That's where I went to school. Um, won their section in basketball. Not really sure how. It's a weak section, to be honest. Um, but that's okay. That's not on the kids. Um, so they added a game at what's called Obama Academy. It used to be Peabody, if anybody's an old-time Pittsburgher. Um, one of the last kind of inner-city places left. They won their section. And then this is what's angering me. It's it, not about the kids on the team. No heavens no. Um, you should be like so excited for your team that you packed in just for a, a revenge on Avonworth that beat the hell out of you earlier in the season. 11 people, including me, went there. Now, I know very well these suburbanites here in, in the Western Pennsylvania area are, are definitely a, a little fear of the inner city. Man, that, that's my stomping ground. I mean, for, for heaven's sake, my goodness. 
Um, but that's your support for these kids. Where else did you have to be? It's a dead of winter. Come on. But no, I'm, I'm the horrible person that, that's causing so much strife and, and, and problems within that program. You know, I watched the coach, well, both of them, but particularly the JV coach for the other team, Obama, the Obama team. And, um, and they did beat the JV. Um, my poor nephew, oh my goodness. <laughs> I saw him play so hard, and yet I was a great triage nurse. I could see on the court how much chest congestion he still had. Um, it's so obvious. I'm not biased on that. I'm totally clinical. Yet he played so hard. He dove for a ball one time. I was hoping he was going to be okay. And he was. Um, and he was mad at himself. And I'm thinking, dude, you can't even breathe. And you're out there working harder than anybody else on that team, on the JV team. Um, anyway, back to this coach from the other team. At one point at a timeout, you could see that he did play and played well. He gets out on the court with his particular player that was a strong player, and he's like talking to him and I'm not, not yelling at him, berating him, and, and actually showing him like how to move, how to position, how to pivot and stuff. And I'm like, that's a coach. That's a coach, people. Okay? And I'm thinking to myself, you want you want to make it better, Montar? Fifth highest paid district in the state of Pennsylvania, make that guy an offer. He'll, he'll bring you win after win, year after year for the next several years. Um, God. Yeah, but I'm, I'm the problem. I, I just sat there quietly, by the way, during this game. I, I cheered a few times for my nephew. I cheered a few times for two other kids that, that I think have been jilted. And um, I want to support when they got their few minutes of playing time. And they played hard also. Always aware, eyes on the ball, not lackadaisical and I'm so great or anything like that. No, no, they deserve some cheers that they don't get. Um, but they get them from me. And they're the ones that are going to do good in life in general. So, no, this is no longer favoritism versus favoritism. Because you could have accused me of that, I guess, um, when this all started, thinking, you know, my nephews are getting jilted. But when I started seeing this other kid that has good in his potential, then another one. And that's the one team. Then and this one on the junior high team. Then another one. And when it got to the seventh or eighth player, I'm seeing being jilted. Okay, it's no longer me playing favoritism. I don't know those kids except seeing them play. I don't know where they live. I don't know how many siblings they have. I don't know who their parents are. Nothing. Okay, so I, I'm not being favoritism anymore. Because now when I spoke up on that last podcast... That, that was for all of those kids. And I made that very clear, if you bothered listening to it, um, that this wasn't just about my nephews. As a matter of fact, the tipping point was the junior high coach shoving a kid that was not my nephew. So, uh, yeah, I'm making it worse for everyone. No, I'm doing the job that I did for 35 years. And that's being an advocate not just for my patients, but especially for children, just in general, whether they're your patients or not. But I'm the bad, horrible person that my dad says, and he wrote it three times. No one's ever really cared about me very much. No one ever will care for me much. I was his only chance, my dad. I mean, I'm grown up now. So anyway, but, but I feel better today than, than I did the past two days. Um, I'm so proud of my nephew. I'm so, so proud. I know, because I, I got plagued with some kind of gunk in my lungs 
for a month. And I'd go up there to the gym that's in my building. And, and I'd have these one-minute spells of just trying to clear and cough this stuff out so I can get better breaths. I know how hard that is. And he stepped up to that and did it. So, huh, for what it's worth, playoff games, I don't know if I'm going to go. I, I, they're not going to put him in. There was an alleged promise to my dad tonight that he'd put him in for even just, just for a minute there so he could get his varsity letter again, which means nothing in your future life. I mean, not, not, not my nephew who, who's so intellectually almost brilliant, <laughs> to be honest. And you can call me biased, but his course load and his good grades in those courses prove I'm not that biased. It's real. Um, you know, he'll get through life very, very well, with or without a varsity letter from high school. Um, but anyway, so just sitting here looking out at the amazing view I have of downtown Pittsburgh from the 11th floor where I live in the old Kaufman's. And um, yeah, so if, if you're listening to this and have any kind of similar situation in any sport, speak up. I can't be the only one that does. Speak up, please. If not for your kid, for any other kids you see getting jilted or maybe kicked around or whatever or being neglected or ignored, speak up. They're kids, okay? And thanks if you do.